Hi, from The Griot, I'm your co-host, Dr. Christina Greer. And here at What's In It For Us, we are excited to celebrate LGBTQ plus Pride Month. For the entire month of June, we will be featuring brilliant guest co-hosts from the LGBTQ plus community. And today we have a special guest co-host. I am Pat Brown, comedian, writer, and a stand-up comic. And you're listening to What's In It For Us. So today, I want us to talk about two things. One, the Pulitzer that was given to Darnella Frazier, who filmed George Floyd's murder. And two, the two Black students who won uh, school honors, valedictorian and salutatorian. And then shortly after that, they were called for a recount, and two white students were also allowed to share those two titles. Give me some of your quick thoughts on those two topics. Um, the Darnella Frazier thing, uh... I, I really actually think about her when I think about, I think about her, I think about her in the way that I think about Ruby Bridges in terms of how we, we can't protect uh, our children from um, the trauma that this white systematic uh, world is imparting on them. And I just feel like I'm, I'm sad by it. And she, they keep calling her a hero, but she's, that's trauma to watch a man die like that. I can't wait to get into that with you. Um, so that and so much else we'll talk about in this week's episode of What's In It For Us. Okay, Pat, I wanted to talk about something that was on our timeline this week, which is Megan The Stallion's newest video, Thought Shit. <laughs> um, now listen whenever her videos come out i do feel i feel older because i find myself clutching my pearls right i think that what she is doing is so fascinating and subversive and direct and beautiful for black women but i gotta say a part of me is always like whoo oh my this is this is a lot for me to digest so for mm -hmm. those of you who haven't seen it the houston rapper dropped a video on thursday for her new single thought shit it takes aim though at essentially republican critics and probably some democrats too um and there's sort of hypocritical outrage uh with her and, and her music and how she dresses and how she expresses herself um essentially saying that she's too vulgar and she's basically like watch your step and watch your mouth um because the women that you're stepping on are basically everyone you depend on so walk me through your initial thoughts on watching this video and and megan the stallion's place in society i guess right now as we have these complicated questions about black women and body image and where we're supposed to be and how we're supposed to act and politics of respectability and all that stuff uh when i watch the video uh and i too i, I feel the uh I kind of feel those uh, the pullings of irrespectability because I was raised at a time where you know uh, women, especially black women, uh, you were you were supposed to be uh, you, this code of conduct that you always had to adhere to all the time. But I feel like I'm pushing against that with all these new rappers that are coming out. Um, I, I, I actually love that they're so free, and I feel like mm -hmm. also too this is the opportunity for uh, women, black women, uh, women of color to be able to make money and you're not, you don't have a, a lot of education or you don't have a lot of privilege, stripping 
is one of the ways that women could make money and make a, a, a lot of money and uh, either use that to you know take care of your family or to go to school or what have you. But those we have so many limited options for uh, how women can uh, have opportunities to make a lot of money for themselves. And of course, it's not you know it's a hard work. It's uh, it's uh, probably uh, humiliating in a lot of ways and whatever, but there is a opportunity. And I feel like she and um, Cardi have done that. They actually are the American dream. They have mm-hmm. pulled themselves up by their bootstraps or by their clear stilettos. And uh, they've made themselves millionaires. They made themselves millionaires twice over. And what and what does our society always says? Uh, use your ingenuity. They, didn't they do that? They, uh, they use their body. They use their, to, to market themselves, to look at my music, look how uh, um, artistically creative I am. They still had to compete with other rappers and uh, other women rappers. And they, they, they pulled themselves to the, uh, to the, the top of the, the heap. And I, I feel like they should be applauded for that. Well, yeah, because I wanted to just kind of get your thoughts on this, because I I do struggle with, you know, I was raised a certain way, certain class Mm -hmm. privilege, all this stuff. So I do struggle with this politics of respectability sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, When I'm I'm looking at booty cheeks on booty cheeks on booty cheeks. (laughs) But then I'm just like, but then I remember, you know, I'm sitting here as a teenager, Snoop's first album, I'm singing right along. And, you know, you think about, some of those lyrics, it's like, what in the world, yeah, right? Yeah. Biggie is, you know, everyone who knows me knows that Biggie is my favorite rapper of all time. It's like, Biggie had some things on his first album, you know, Tupac had some things on his album. I mean, exactly. you go down the list of male rappers and all of them talk about explicit, dare we say, vulgar topics, but they're never framed in that way because they're not women and they're not black women so when megan the stallion or even cardi b or little kim right you remember her first mm-hmm. album you know when they were talking about it, it's like oh my goodness how dare they it's like well they're they're expressing themselves the same way their male counterparts are and as you said they're making this money the same way everyone said go out and do it don't just mm-hmm. sit on your you know sit on your tail and wait for someone else to sort of bring you the american dream grab it and i mean these women are grabbing it <laughs> Uh, and it, it, it's creating, I think, a certain level of discomfort, uh, not just with conservative Republicans that are in the video, but I, I think some some Democrats and, and Black folks and upper middle class Black folks uh, as well. Okay, so as with this and everything else, we'll continue to think about what's in it for us. Okay, so shifting gears quite dramatically, um, I wanted to get your thoughts on Darnella Frazier. And we know, uh, and this is the young woman who who filmed George Floyd's murder, she received a special citation from the Pulitzer Committee. So we know that lots of journalists um, get Pulitzer Prizes every year around this time. Her special, the board said that she was honored for, quote, courageously recording the murder of George Floyd, a video that spurred protests against police brutality around the world, highlighting the crucial role of citizens and journalists' requests for truth and justice, end quote. And so Frazier was only 17 when she recorded George Floyd's uh, fatal encounter with 
Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin on Memorial Day of last year. And so I think what broke my heart, Pat, was when we saw the trial of Derek Chauvin, which, you know, frustratingly, so many people kept calling it the the George Floyd trial. It's like, well, George Floyd's not on trial because he was murdered by Derek Chauvin. Uh, But when Frazier told jurors that there were nights that she stayed up apologizing and apologizing to George Floyd for not doing more and not physically intervening and saving his life. And so I just, I feel like I've been trying to keep her in my thoughts and my prayers just because this trauma, as you said, that she's experienced at such a young age, the world knows about George Floyd because of Darnella Frazier. And so that weight and that burden and that responsibility that she's taken quite seriously has just been so much for for me to process. And I, I wasn't anywhere near that that circumstance. What are you feeling about this honor? Do you think that um, it was, uh, it's a good thing that the Pulitzer Committee actually um, recognized her and acknowledged her? Or do you think that citizen journalism is is not in this particular instance, the same thing? I think it is. And I, I think even accidentally so, uh, citizen journalism uh, is it, exposed a lot of ills in our society right now. Uh, the things that are uh, the civil rights movement were were uh, was going through, and they were, they were saying proof, uh, police brutality, and people didn't see it uh, until they started coming to um, started filming the beatings on. Uh, uh, of the civil rights movement, the you know the water hoses and the uh, and the dogs. That's when white people started to realize, oh, this is brutal. This is um, this is heinous, and I don't want to be a part of that. And that's when we, the movement started actually uh, gaining traction. I feel like even uh, with Dar- uh, Darnella Frazier, in a in a sense, it's a a way of showcasing the brutality that's going on within our communities. But I, I feel and I, I get emotional every time I think about it because I too think about what she says on um, when she was on on the witness stand and how she couldn't help him because you're actually watching a man down. To, to me, that is the most, uh, to watch somebody not just die, but to be murdered. And you you and you're 17 years old. I mean, yeah, and I think that's the piece I keep trying to remember. It's and it's not I stumbled on a dead body, right? This isn't no. I turned a corner, I saw a man who had been no. shot, he's on the street. This is I sat there while all these people around me were like, What is happening? Why is he doing this? And she she knew that something in her spirit moved her to document this. But knowing also, you know, at 17, she knows what this world is, even though she's a child, she knows that had she intervened, she could have ended up dead too. Like Mm -hmm. that is a reality that black people know in this country, but the guilt that she has articulated so eloquently and and the, the sadness of being part of this larger story is is something that I I feel like I want to just keep sending her like energy just to thank her for her bravery because it's bravery, right? I mean, at any point he could have turned around and aimed his gun at her. I remember when um, George Floyd's funeral and then they had that uh, moment of silence for that 8.40 or uh, nine minutes, whatever it was. And I remember like after about three minutes and I just started crying. 
because I was like three minutes is long to be in silence, right? And just watching uh, a, a funeral. And I was like, someone is on your neck. Somebody is killing you. And I can't even imagine what it's like to be there witnessing a murder. Well, you know what that reminded me of is when Sean Bell, for those of you, for our listeners who are from New York City, I mean, it made sort of national news, but he was the young man, 23 years old, who was killed the night before his wedding. This was in November of 2006 by undercover police officers. And I remember they shot a total of, I think it was 50 rounds at him. And I went to a protest after he was murdered and I think Sharpton was leading the protest, but he asked us to count to 50 as we marched. And I think I got to maybe four before I just lost it, right? So it's like recognizing this idea of time. And I think that's what's so interesting that COVID has made time such a warped space for so many people. It's like, it's taffy, you know, it's either it's really long or can be quick. And for thinking about Darnella Frazier and all these people who have had these interactions with the police, these like split second interactions that have just made the circumstance just elongated, like their lives now are so much longer. So moving on from that, which I think we're going to have to sit in for quite some time because- Oh yeah, that 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 doesn't go away. And no. um, yeah, I, I, I'm like you too. I, I, I wish that young lady so much, uh, love and 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 light because going forward that's a part of her now that's that's a part of her her history her life um so yeah that it is really is it's really deep and i uh and i I, i'm glad that she was honored for that but i still feel like the the trauma that she's going to experience going Mm -hmm. forward is i I don't know uh far exceeds the pulitzer exactly yeah. Far, far exceeds the Pulitzer. Well, speaking of people who were acknowledged, this is a story out of West Point, Mississippi. Um, mm-hmm. And the two Black students, Ikiri Washington and Layla Temple, who were named the 2021 Valedictorian and Salutatorian for West Point High School. And they have something that's called like a, a weighted GPA. So that means they've taken honors and AP classes and they were the Valedictorian Salutatorian. And then all of a sudden, when it was announced at the awards ceremony, two white parents immediately called the school district and they called the principal. There were apologies that were made. A counselor took the fall and said, oh, you know, I, I made a mistake in calculation. And so they granted the four of them mm-hmm. uh, the salutatorian valedictorian titles and let the four of them speak at the graduation. But Akiria and Layla one based on the calculation of the quality point GPA. And that is how you give extra weight to AP classes and dual credit classes. And the two other students uh, were finishers based on unweighted GPAs, which I don't believe in unweighted GPAs. Cause if you take underwater basket weaving and you know, some nonsense <laughs> class and I'm taking AP calculus and AP chemistry, we aren't the same, you know? Like mm-hmm. if you're taking like, you know, a, a cute little quasi science class and I'm in AP physics, and we both get an A, we don't, we don't have the same grade point average. So on graduation night, all four students delivered their speeches at a ceremony uh, at the Coliseum. So this type of story makes my blood boil as an educator, as someone who has seen this happen time and time again to 
black students, black people with excellence, all of a sudden, when it's a black person, it's like, well, let's just share the title. It's, I'm, I'm not trying to put people's business in the street, but this has happened to people very, very near and dear to me in my family and my friend set, where they have gotten the honor and then all of a sudden the institution feels the need to um, change the rules, essentially mm -hmm. move the goalposts, yeah. which we're so accustomed to. But the, the fury that I feel for taking this away from these two black women, black girls who worked so hard and took hard classes to get it. And now we got to give it to some, you know, slack jawed yokels who <laughs> didn't even do the coursework to, to become equal, but they still get it. And, I, and even though the story is out of Mississippi, I still feel like this, this is a story that we, we could tell in New York city. We could tell the story in LA. It's not a Southern story. I don't want to put this on the Southerners. So what are your thoughts? <laughs> you know, we'll you know cause I think some people would say like, oh, well, you know, that's it. Of course they're doing that in Mississippi. It's backwards. And I'm like, no, as Malcolm no. X said, anything South of the Canadian border is the U.S. South. And so the US, people exactly. behave as such. So I just, I think I'm as an educator, I'm so angry because we know how hard, especially in high school, certain students work by taking all these hard classes to get to that next level. Right. So, and I agree with you. I agree with you. You take AP, uh, you calculus, you, you, you take an, uh, courses like that. They are more, uh, the rigorous. They, yeah. Rigorous than they, uh, than a, than a class on the, I, you know, advanced uh, gym, but <laughs> Dodgeball 2.0. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you can get hit in the face, but it still ain't calculus. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> but this is the, this is the point that I would have done that, but I, I think that the the mothers of the black uh, uh, children and I have I feel like they have a right because they they did know that when they came to, uh, to the ceremonies they they had these they had the uh, you know two valedictorians two salutatorians, uh, but I feel like they should have talked to them and also I feel like to put uh, the school on blast, to, to put like these girls are rightfully uh, and explain it to people. Okay, yes, we get, give, we've given right. this to these white uh, students or we give it to these other students. I'm not gonna even make it a, a, a case about race. We give it to these other students, but these students here, this is the reason that they, that we originally, and I feel like this going forward, we should use this as our criteria going forward mm -hmm. because it's a better criteria to go by. But I feel like a it should be understood. And also we should uh, talk to you like these valedictorian and then the, the other ones that didn't win, I mean, didn't originally win. You should understand, oh yeah, you, you got it. You got yeah. the, the score, but, but it's a bit, but it's not your pre-algebra helped you out <laughs> yeah, versus exactly. the girl who took calculus. There exactly. We yeah. We you gotta understand apples to apples. Uh this is not apples to apples. And sometimes it's apples to filet mignon. And here exactly. we are. Exactly. And so, so I, okay. I feel like that it, if it was I, I feel like they could have handled it a better way. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. but I do I, I absolutely agree that the girls that uh the black women, the young women that uh originally won uh, those two awards uh, should be singled out for what they've accomplished. Right. Well, shout out to Ikeria Washington and Layla Temple and best of luck in your future endeavors. Um, okay. So Pat Brown, speaking of future endeavors, what is next for you? Uh, I'll be a writer on the ESPYs uh, coming up in uh, <gasps> July. So yes! uh, that is wonderful. Congratulations. I'm a big, anybody that knows me knows that I'm a big sports fan. I played uh collegiate basketball in college and so uh 
writing comedy for sports is is a dream job yes and that's is absolutely wonderful I who's hosting the espies captain america the new black captain america oh anthony mackie anthony mackie yes he's oh, hosting it this year so that's yes. fantastic oh yes. i'm so excited i'm are you still doing stand-up i am doing stand-up but slowly uh mm -hmm. uh because i've got a lot of writing gigs coming up for me and uh, for me i want to talk about what's been going on in the pandemic and so it's it's like going from uh zero it's come from ground zero to trying to create something so um and i just feel like the old material is not something mm -hmm. i want to talk about anymore i mean mm -hmm. it's just like you know it feels like 20 years ago time has changed us loss has changed us some of us have discovered resiliency we didn't know we had other folks have had to just recognize that like their squad is either amazing or shallow like i think <laughs> exactly. i've been calling it my renaissance i've been going through just a personal renaissance during COVID. even even some white people understand that uh mm -hmm. there's a turning point that we're going through now as a society and so uh i, I feel like i can't talk about the old things anymore i think it's it's, it's too important uh, our jobs as comedians is too important now to just talking about, you know, um, you know, yogurt for and, breakfast or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. You're just, you know, in a different place professionally, just grinding and working. And it's just so nice to see, literally see how hard work uh, and obviously a sprinkle of good talent um, <laughs> creates this, exactly. this really incredible journey where you get to do what it is that you love, which is writing and writing for the ESPYs. So um, shout out to everyone who's going to watch the ESPYs. Just know when you're cracking up at a joke, it's probably a Pat Brown joke. Um, yes, can you is. promise us that you'll come back and visit us another time on what's in it for that us? That is the easiest promise I can possibly keep other than the yes! fact that I will be gay. <laughs> yes, and hey, happy Pride Month. Thank you for listening to What's In It For Us. If you liked what you heard, please give us a five-star review and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcasts and share it with everyone you know. Please email all questions, suggestions, and compliments to podcasts at thegrio.com. The What's In It For Us podcast is brought to you by The Grio, an executive produced by Blue Talusma and co-produced by Abdul Kadus, Antonio Thompson, and Taji Senior. Mm -hmm.